Welcome back to another episode <laughs> of the Co by Sophie podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Cutler McKenzie Simpson, who has worked at a variety of different tech companies as a software engineer, including Google. You have a pretty impressive professional career, but I don't really know too much about your academic career, besides the fact that you were a biomedical engineering major at the University of Iowa, correct? Correct. Did you always have an interest in biomedical engineering or what kind of got you interested in that path? In biomedical engineering, I... So when I came into undergrad, I initially was a chemistry major pre-med. And before the semester had even started, I realized that sounded horrible. And I took one general engineering class in high school where I was exposed to chemical engineering, mechanical engineering, biomedical engineering. And I started looking into biomedical engineering a little bit more. This is after I'd already been accepted to Iowa for chemistry. And Iowa had the only biomedical engineering program in the state of Iowa. And so I got lucky. Um, and then I was able to switch majors before the school year had even started. What got you exposed to programming or how did you kind of pivot into being interested in programming in general? I was first exposed to programming when I took AP computer science at high school and I hated it. It was the only C that I got in high school. I dropped it. Um, and when I started at Iowa, my first semester, my very first semester, I had to take a coding class in C and I thought I was going to have to switch majors again before the school year had even started but as the school year had gone on or as that semester progressed I found out that I actually really liked it and that class kind of changed my perspective on coding and we got to work with robots and kind of just seeing what more was possible then a high school computer science class um, really changed everything for me. So I have a similar experience because I was exposed to programming also in AP computer science and I hated it. And I also decided that I would never in my life <laughs> be a software engineer or have anything to do with computer science at all. But then I actually was undergrad biomedical engineering also. It's almost like you copied me, but whatever. Um, I decided that I didn't really like biomedical engineering, got exposed or reintroduced to computer science programming in school and fell in love with the practicality of it, being able to build things on the go. Did you enjoy similar things or what made you kind of really pivot and say, when I, even though you graduated, you graduated with a biomedical engineering degree, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So even though you graduated with that degree, what made you pursue software engineering as a career? I got an internship opportunity. <laughs> um, no, but to answer both of your questions, what I initially liked about software engineering programming when I was in college was I had been exposed to the material before, so I knew it. Um, like I knew what an if statement was. I knew what a for loop was. And even just having that basic exposure helped me so much in that first college class and made me think like, oh, I can actually do this. And I started helping my friends out. And I ended up becoming a TA for that class later on in my collegiate career. And just that side of things that helped build my confidence in it. And what was the second question? I think the second question was just 
after you kind of got reintroduced to programming, even though you got a degree in biomedical engineering, why did you decide to pursue software engineering as a career? I, what interested me in biomedical engineering was the like software, the intersection of it, the how we can use technology to better health. So in one of my classes, I built an electrooculogram, EOG, where you put electrodes on your eyes and I wrote the code to be able to interpret which way your eyes are moving. And I built a GUI that could go along with that. So for patients with locked-in syndrome, where they can't move, they can't speak, all they can do is move their eyes. You could do simple yes, no binary decisions purely based on which direction their eyes are going by this device that I had built. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And just the opportunities that you could do with technology mixed with the human body, I like are endless. And that's where my interests really are. Got it. So versatility, I think are so important when people talk about computer science or software engineering, they say, what kind of jobs can you do? Like what, what careers are available? And I really think that opportunities are endless. Any field, especially in this day and age, has an opening or a spot for a software engineer. And I think being able to kind of devise these solutions to interesting problems is what makes it a really, really interesting path to take. You went from a corporate, very corporate finance job where you interned, and then you went to a startup, and then you ended up at Google. How was the transition from corporate to startup to then Google, which is, is that a startup? I don't know. I don't think it's a startup, but it's like a tech thing company. How was that transition? So the transition from school to the real world is by far the hardest. I think no one and nothing really gets you ready for that side of things. And then the transition from the corporate world to startup is super interesting too. I went to a startup where I was the 13th employee engineer and you go from this is your role. You're kind of just a cog in the machine. You get told what to do, who is told what to do, who is told what to do, to going to a startup where it's like, look, it's me and 12 other people trying to build this thing. And to be honest, if we don't build this thing, none of us are going to have jobs in a month from now. At a corporate <laughs> company, you're going to get that paycheck again in two weeks. At a startup, if it fails, it fails. Like that's your paycheck. Um, so that was probably the biggest difference. Um, Did you enjoy that aspect? Because for anxious people like myself, I don't know that I would be able to sleep at night knowing that my job was directly tied to whether or not I could build something out. Like, did you enjoy, but I can, I can see that that can also be maybe exciting for some folks. Like, did you enjoy that aspect or not really? I loved it, to be honest. Um, like me and the other engineers on the team were constantly involved with what the sales and marketing team were doing. And how they were taking the product that we were building and what the user feedback was and how we had to directly iterate on that user feedback to keep those users around. Because if those users go somewhere else, there's our job. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a lot more intense. It was like, all right, we told we promised the users this feature built out by this date. So we need this feature out by this date. And the corporate world, it's like, sorry, you're not gonna get it. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. But in the startup world, it's like, we're going to do this one way or another. It has to get done by the state. Do what you have to do. We're going to deprioritize this. We're going to have to focus in on this, bring in help here. And you can really tell, it forces you to carry your own weight. Whereas in the corporate world, 
you're on a team of 30, you can hide behind 29 other people. You're on a team of four, you can't hide from anyone. Um, and I like that side of things. Mm -hmm. I'm a competitive person. Um, so that part of it was super fun for me. So from the startup, then to Google, has, I know Google's like a dream job for many software engineers. Um, how was that transition? How was it working there? Did you enjoy it? Did it live up to its hype? Google was, was fun. I really liked it. I was a COVID hire, so I didn't get all the perks. I have never been to a Google office. I haven't been to the headquarters, um, unfortunately. But I mean, I loved my manager. My role was something different than what I had done because I had got, I directly worked with clients at the startup. I indirectly worked with clients getting feedback from the sales team. But at Google, I was directly working with sales teams and clients and sitting in meetings where the clients were talking about things that they specifically wanted. And it was my job to interpret non-technical complaints into technical solutions and deliver those solutions. And I had great managers there and great people that I was working with. And I really can't complain about Google at all. Um, I mean, even down to the benefits that I was exposed to, like having a team meeting in Puerto Rico. Like I've never worked for a company where that was an option, but I was, I was a big fan. Where did you get the courage to be so mobile early on in your career? I know that a lot of early in career engineers, software engineers really look for job security and kind of hold on to the company that they interned with and try and grow as much as they can there because fear of maybe I won't be able to make it at this company or maybe I won't grow as much as this other company. So where did you kind of get that courage to be like, I'll go to this next company, see what happens. If that doesn't work out, then I'll just go to this other company. Like, where did you get that courage from? Well, I definitely started off with the, uh, oh, I got a, a full-time offer from this internship. I can't risk it. I have to like see this out for a while. But, and that kind of came along with the imposter syndrome and everything along those lines. But once I got past the imposter syndrome and started really feeling confident and comfortable with my skill set and realized I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm talking about, that confidence to not be afraid to look for the next thing came along with it. Um, once I realized that I can go from being on a cloud team at one company to being a full stack developer at another company and that you can just pick up more skills along the way. You don't necessarily have to go for what you already know. This is a field where everyone's constantly learning. And I realized no one really knows what they're talking about. We're all still trying to figure it out as we go along, no matter what anyone's title is. I kind of lost that fear and gained the confidence to just be like, yeah, let's go for this. Let's give it a shot. Um, and let's see what happens next. I know that if I were to lose my job, realistically, I could go get another one in the next three months. Would it suck? Yes, but I could make that happen if I had to. Um, and that kind of reassurance really just, and the expertise of working throughout my career has brought on that confidence. So you touched a little bit on imposter syndrome, and this is something that I know a lot of engineers sometimes struggle with, especially people, um, underrepresented minorities in the field, myself included. So I'm in particular, really, really interested and it, it, you might still get it. I don't know, but how did you kind of 
get over that imposter syndrome or if it comes up, how do you actively deal with it so that it doesn't stand as a barrier for your opportunities? It used to come up a lot. Uh, I definitely had severe imposter syndrome my first role. And it was the topic of a lot of my one-on-one conversations with my manager and his advice to me was JFDI. Um, Those were actually the four letters he told me and left it up to me for the interpretation. But once I kind of solidified that in my head, that was kind of how I got through. And once I started looking backwards at how far I had come is when I kind of started getting over it more and more too, where I remember where I was when I first started my programming career. And then a year later, looking back at the code that I wrote, the work that I had done, I mean, like, I know how to do that so much better now, just a year later. And then the next year in my career, now I've been doing this for a long enough that looking back has helped it and teaching now other students how to do it and hearing them dealing with imposter syndrome as well. I kind of try to reiterate that, just like think about where you came from and also kind of claiming my space has helped me. Like having mentors reiterate to me, people took a chance on me for a reason. I got the offer for a reason. I'm in the room for a reason and reminding myself of that and being able to walk in the room and not necessarily being afraid that I'm the only one who looks like me in that room. It's okay. Like I'm, I deserve to be in that room um, and kind of having those affirmations and self-assurance. Oh, you said such great things. Um, I think that the main thing that really stuck out to me was, or stood out to me was looking backwards. I think that a lot of the time we're always focused on what's next. How do I get to the next thing? How do I, you know, become better and greater? And you can kind of get lost in this analysis paralysis and you don't realize that you've already come so far. And looking back on the things that you've accomplished thus far can really be a confidence booster. Um, And I think that I for sure don't do that enough. Um, So that was really great. So you've taken a lot of technical interviews because you've hopped from job to job to job. Um, So advice for technical interviews. I know that, yeah, advice for technical interviews. What's your approach? What's your strategy? That's a great question. And we've talked about this one before and I know that I'm not the best resource for this one, but (laughs) um, My first strategy is I don't apply to jobs that ask for cover letters. That's the first step is because I'm too lazy to write a cover letter. But once we actually, once we actually get to the interview stage, for me, it is, I, I recognized that a lot of the technical challenge problems that I see come from websites like LeetCode and just exposing myself to those. And I don't even necessarily jump into LeetCode and start solving problems on my own. I spend time watching YouTubers solve leak code problems to understand their thought process. And that helps me solidify it in my head. When I can see someone else do it, I understand that eventually it gets to the point where I'll start a YouTube video of someone doing a leak code problem. I'll pause it, think about how I would do it. I don't even implement it myself. Just think about how I would do it and then watch the rest of the video to see how they've done it and see if it's comparable and if I'm on the right track. And that's really helped me I guess, solidify when to use different data structures or the thought process to take with approaching these problems in technical interviews. Have you had to um, interview candidates in the various roles that you've had? 
yeah, I've done a couple of interviews. What do you usually look for in those interviews when you have a candidate, whether it's technical or behavioral, what's, what's um, the it factor, the X factor that you're like, yeah, this candidate should go on to the next uh, round or let's hire this person. The first thing for me is what I want to grab lunch or a beer with this person. Um, ultimately, if you hire this person, they'll usually be on your team. That's usually why you're interviewing them. And if you don't like the person you're interviewing with in that hour interview, you're really not going to like spending eight, nine hours a day with that person. And so that's something that I take into account. Um, obviously, if you're kind of at that interview stage, you someone somewhere along the way recognize that you have some technical chops to get there. And so I don't take that into account as much. I'm usually, I've been the junior engineer in the, the interviews I've done. So I recognize the senior engineer has much more say technically. Um, but I still try to think about what they're saying. Does it make sense? Can they explain what they're talking about in layman's terms? Or was this thing on their resume that they're talking about clearly just something that they were aware of, but not necessarily involved with? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something big for me too, is if someone has something on their resume and I ask them about it and I can tell like, this what's fudged that's kind of a big red flag for me on in interviews got it yeah so i'd say for sure know everything on your resume and if you aren't certain about or you cannot speak to something on your resume then it doesn't need to be there simply put and i think that so many people underestimate i say this so much uh, in tiktok videos um, in conversations in dms people really underestimate that you're talking when you're on the phone with a recruiter you're likely talking, and if, if it's technical, you're likely talking to somebody that you would be on a team with or you would be working with in some kind of proximity. And so try to be personable, try and make, you know, try and have an actual conversation because if they, if you can have a conversation with this person, the odds are they're probably not going to want to hire you because like you said, who wants to spend eight to nine hours with this boring, awful person every single day? Um, so yeah, that was a great point. You went from biomedical engineering to then working in the tech industry as a software engineer for a few years, and now you've pivoted and gone back to school. Tell me about that. What are you majoring in? I mean, I know, but they don't know. So what are you majoring in? Why did you decide to go back to school? All that, all the details all the tea huh all the tea. i'm getting <laughs> i'm getting my master's in systems medicine which kind of comes back to my interest of technology and medicine it's basically applying big data and data analytics to medicine so instead of treating a patient with breast cancer as a patient with breast cancer it's this individual has breast cancer because they have a BRCA1 mutation with her too specifically and we can treat that by doing this, this, and this based off of deep machine learning and data analysis. Um, and the reason I decided to go back to school um, was for, because I want, thought I wanted to go to med school. Um, now, after kind of being exposed to some of that content, I'm much more interested in the tools and technology behind it rather than going to med school and just using those tools. So that's where I'm at right now, getting my master's. Um, and we'll see what happens from there. 
was it scary going from making like Google big bucks to then being a student? <laughs> like, I, I feel like, I feel like if I were to have to go back to school, that's my main thing. Like I would be like, I don't have a steady cash inflow right now. And that's probably the one thing that's like, would be stopping me. Was it scary to like decide to go back to school or was it kind of like a no brainer? Definitely scary. Um, First of all, no one made the Google big bucks, uh, but (laughs) definitely scary. Uh, But I mean, I've been thinking about this for years now. Before I even left undergrad, I had started applying to grad programs. Two years after I left undergrad, I started looking into grad programs again. And by the time I was five years out from undergrad and still looking into different graduate programs, it was kind of a sign for me that this is still something I'm interested in. This is still something I want to pursue. And if I don't do it now, it's only going to get harder and scarier. And I'm going to have to walk away from more to do it. So that kind of gave me the kick that I needed to really dive in and go for it. And plus, like I said, you can always kind of fall back on software engineering. No one's going to be like, oh, you got a master's for a year. So you don't have your technical chops anymore. And knowing that is still a fallback option makes it safer for me to go for it. And it's interesting that you say that because even though you're back in school and you're not technically working as a software engineer right now, aren't you working at using your technical quote, quote, chops, your technical skills? Aren't you working as a TA or a, a boot camp, boot camp instructor? Yeah. So I have two jobs right now while I'm getting my master's. One is a boot, a full stack boot camp instructor. And the other one is working for a professor in a research lab who, once he learned I had the software engineering background, was like, you are exactly what I need for his research, um, which is kind of at the interest of what, or at the intersection of my interest as well. So it's kind of just worked out pretty well for me that I've been able to work these jobs and get my master's at the same time. As a full-time, or sorry, as a, you said full stack instructor at a boot camp? Yeah. Right. A mentor. My technical title is mentor. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So working at a boot camp has that given you insight into uh, boot camp engineers and their capability slash ability? I know that on the internet, there's a lot of like CS trolls that want to say, "Oh, you have to get a four year degree in order to enter tech." And I've gotten a four year degree. I know a lot of engineers that do have one, but I also know a lot that don't, and they've been able to successfully pivot into the tech industry. So you're right in that space. What can you say to that statement of bootcamp engineers aren't legit or can't land a job? I definitely have find that not to be true. And in my experience, when I was at the startup, I was the fourth engineer and the two of the other engineers were bootcamp engineers. And they showed me everything that I now know about React and front-end development and working with an API directly. And I constantly am telling the bootcamp students that as well, because they also make comments of like, I know that I'm just a bootcamp student. I don't have a four-year engineering degree. And it's kind of like, hold up, wait, like, you know your stuff. Like, you know what you're talking about. You can do a web app just as well as someone with a four-year engineering degree. Sure, you might not be able to talk about big O notation or how to optimized bandwidth of an API or network communications or those things, but you still know React, you still know HTML, CSS, JavaScript, whatever it is your bootcamp is teaching you. And I think it might be more difficult to prove that you have those 
skill sets coming from a boot camp because there is the stigma that it's not an engineering degree. And that, that brings along imposter syndrome as well. But it kind of, for me, what I've been iterating to my students is coming back to claiming your space. You know your stuff. Go and show up people that you know your stuff and make Awesome. Thank you so much for talking with me, Cutler. You gave some great gems, some awesome wisdom, and I will catch you guys next week.